Hi, welcome, welcome to this basement of Union Hall. Thank you for coming on this Tuesday night. And thank you for coming to the newly reopened Union Hall. Yeah, woo 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 woo! It's got plate glass windows and everything. (laughs) We are the scientists. I'm Madeline Freed. I'm Blythe Robertson. Woohoo! Blythe, what is this show? Uh, So this is a show where every month we delve into a different scientific topic. We've Mm -hmm. done garbage. We've done artificial Mm -hmm. intelligence. Mm -hmm. Uh, Madeline and I don't have degrees in science. Sure don't. But we know how to read a fucking article. Oh, my God. Our qualifications is where we do our goddamn homework. (laughs) (laughs) And Uh, we really do, and we love science. And this show, we're going to bring up some great comics, and then we're going to have an incredible expert on our topic of the evening, which is... Dead bodies. Yes. So, (laughs) can we get the projector going? All fired up. Oh! All right, so, dead bodies. Uh, what happens to them? Oh, yeah, what happens to them? We're going to, uh, yeah, next slide, yeah. We have two to eight-ish options of what we can do with, with yeah. dead bodies, and we're going to talk about, like, some of them. Yeah, and, uh, oh, yeah, okay. Trigger warning. Um, yeah, no, yeah, this is, this is really, really, really not a joke. Stop with the bits. Um, Blythe. But if you at all feel that you will be upset by details of death and dead bodies, we will comp you for next show. Please leave now. Please leave now. (laughs) I don't want to hurt you. I really don't. So, you know, text me later. Facebook me, whatever. Yeah. We'll comp you. All right. So it seems like you guys are good. They left. Awesome. They, they took care. That was self-care yeah. of the audience. Thank you. Next. All right. So um, we like we read a lot of shit before we do this. And then we kind of like enter a trance like the uh, people in minority report and put together a PowerPoint. And Perfect. we don't cite all of our sources individually, but... Here are the things that we read to prepare this, and I highly recommend you going and reading them as well. Uh, so, Stiff by Mary Roach, classic. Uh, then Smoke Gets in Your Eyes by Caitlin Dowdy. I went Doughty. to college with her. Uh, <laughs> From Here to Eternity, it's not out yet, but when it comes out, I would read it. It's very good. Uh, Rest in Pieces by our scientist of the evening, Best Lovejoy, and you can buy her book at the back. Unbelievable. And then this one I literally took one sentence from, but I liked her so much when we interviewed her about garbage, I put it in. Garbage Land by Elizabeth Royt. A very good book. She was here on this stage and we got to talk to her. (laughs) All right. So, uh... (laughs) right. So at some point we all die. Yeah. And we don't really talk about it. Never. Next slide. (laughs) Uh, But why? Why don't we talk about it? What exactly happens? Um, And what's Blythe going to do with her body when she's dead? What's she going to do? She's the only one of the people on this stage comfortable with talking about those details. So we're going to make this presentation (laughs) about her and her body. Um, I will never and can never die. (laughs) And if you if you want to when we're talking about what happens uh, when you die, if you want to en- envision your own body going through these 
uh, changes, you can if you want. You can envision mine. Yeah, but I don't, don't envision don't, Madeline's. Don't recommend it. Yeah, that's not allowed um, by anyone in this room. Okay, so uh, this is a, an organization that actually um, our our scientist is a is a part of, and uh, it's something that a little bit inspired this. as uh, the Order of the Good Death. It's a group that um, believes that our death culture in America is uh, quite fucked, and it needs some re-envisioning. Uh, and so in that effort, we're going to have this show. So, um, you know, hiding it behind closed doors does more harm than good. Silence should be broken through discussion and art. <laughs> Uh, that's us. Um, <laughs> uh, talking about and engaging with my or Blythe's inevitable death is not morbid, but it displays natural curiosity and the dead body's not dangerous. They have a lot more interesting, very interesting things, and um, I really love them. Yeah, so we'll be talking about it more at the end. Okay, so. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> um, so we're about to get into it, you guys. So um, I just want everyone to like be really centered and just look at this gif. <laughs> and just and just breathe and be present because this is real and we're gonna have a good time just stay yeah stay focused all right next okay so we're gonna start off with the grossest one okay what happens when you just leave it out on leaf bl <laughs> leave Blythe's body just out on the grass yeah. uh, all right so, all right, so you've got bacteria in your body that are going to be a large part of your body turning from a body into, I don't know, a fucking flower one day. Sure. Uh, and the thing is, like, these bacteria, they are, like, always breaking stuff down in your body, but, like, cell walls stop them from, like, killing you, and your blood circulation stops them from, like, eating you. Mm. So if you're, like, in a nursing home and not being, like, moved they like start to eat you while you're alive. So that's what bed sores are. Noodle on that. Uh, all right. So first stage is autolysis, which is when your body eats itself. So uh, this is a big old quote, but I thought it was interesting. So I'm going to read it to you. Human cells use enzymes to cleave molecules, breaking compounds down into things they can use. And while a person is alive, you know what? I just fucking said this to you. So <laughs> your enzymes are eating you basically. And so while they do that, like, liquid that's in your cells, once the cell walls are broken down, they slip into your bod. And <laughs> liquid gets between layers of your skin. And your skin starts to slip off. Yeah. And <laughs> Everyone, cal calm down, calm And this down. is called skin slip. Yeah, yeah, and sometimes yeah. whole hands come off. So it's called gloving. Yeah. <laughs> it is. I it's put called this, gloving. Yeah, this shit is fucking gross, and I love it. Uh, I don't love it. <laughs> next, next. Oh, next. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, and so the liquid gets into your body's bacteria, like, that wants to eat you. And so then uh, putre putrefaction. Putrefaction. <laughs> so that starts. Yeah, uh, um, it's my favorite word, putrefaction. I cannot say it. So while all of this is happening, and I this I don't like as much, but maggots come and chill with you. <laughs> <laughs> so bot flies, the flies that come and chill with your body, they can smell. We gotta go. We yeah, gotta yeah. Go okay, they can smell. I can't. They can smell you from ten miles away. They lay their eggs on yeah, soft yeah, points. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> they have yep, 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 okay. yep, 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 yep. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, whew. okay, cool, cool. Um, uh, so <laughs> yeah, they do. They do love. 
they love fat. They love um, fat. They eat your fat, and okay. you can you can meditate on that as you breathe. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh. You can literally meditate on this. Okay. Um, so, the the stages of putrefaction are are distinct, and they are um, immensely disturbing to us in our uh, very sterile culture. But the Buddhists. Um, meditate on the stages of decay uh, all the time, um, or at least this guy does. <laughs> and, um, and so, yeah, you can just really consider you, you know, returning back to, to nature. So that's, yeah. that's nice. There's like dogs there and stuff. <laughs> 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 next okay. slide. Step, whatever's the next up. Bloat. Ooh, bloat. Okay, so bloat, what is it? So these bacteria that are eating you, they produce gas. and They uh, are always producing gas. Yeah, they're they're ga right now, and you're farting it. That's the gas, the yeah, bacteria when they eat. Maybe you're burping it up. Mm -hmm. But burping corpses well. can't fart because they're polite. That's right. And... <laughs> So, so you start to bloat up, and it's mostly in your abdomen, as you might expect. Also, the mouth and genitalia. Like the most bacteria places of your body. Yeah. Penises get bigger from bloat. They also get bigger from embalming. We'll get to that later. Um, which is great, because, you know, I wish all men were dead. <laughs> all right, so. Uh, yeah, um, so this obviously is a bloat emoji. Um, everybody uses it for that purpose. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah. uh, but they so your lips and tongue bloat up. So your your tongue actually does stick out of yeah. your mouth when you're dead, like in the cartoons. Yeah, and this all goes on until something gives, and usually your intestines rip. Sometimes your whole torso does, and it makes a loud noise. Mm. Okay, mm -hmm. so then you basically dissolve, uh, yeah. like this guy. I found him on the internet. Uh, so, yeah, your eyes leach away. All the liquid in them leaches away. So you're, they turn into X's, like in the cartoons. Uh, and then your organs and lungs are gone in like three weeks because they've got a lot of bacteria. And, uh, oh, this I love. The bacteria in your mouth, they chew through your palate and they get to your brain and it turns into like a brain froth that like comes out of your ears and mouth. Cool. <laughs> And it smells uh, very bad. It, it smells like white wine and rancid fish and licorice. And, and worse stuff as well. Um, it's so indelible that it can be detected by dogs for months after. So in crime fighting, that's helpful. <laughs> uh, oh, and then some more bugs come. Uh, so dermistid beetles, they come and they will eat my muscles when I am left in a field that's by a careless friend. Right. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, and sometimes they'll eat your skin, depends. Sometimes your skin is mummified. And uh, then your bones are just kind of left there to decay. Uh, this is one of the beetles. That's what they look like. It's kind of nice. Yeah. I almost put in a photo of tons of beetles swarming over a head, but I didn't want to do that to you. No, no. No, thank you. Um, so you might be saying, how can I get at this lifestyle? <laughs> <laughs> As I am. It's very natural. Yeah. So... You could convince someone to leave you in a field. I think that's hard. They yeah, it is tough. probably face a lot of shit from authorities. Um, and it's like kind of hard to like have people do this to you just because it's not what we usually do in our culture. And there's like you cannot be buried like this in most cemeteries. Blah blah blah. Commercialism, capitalism wants to sell you a big fancy coffin. Blah 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 blah. Mm -hmm. um, but there are a few natural burial sites. There's one in Joshua Tree, which is what this is a photo of. Um, so it's possible if you really want to do it. 
Oh, and you can donate your body to science, and they might lay you out in a field and study what happens to you. Yeah, but that's like... That's for later in the the presentation. So, first, we have a scientist for you. Um, Let me check if they're here. Yes, perfect. (laughs) Um, She, oh my gosh, she's so funny. She created uh, Ponderdome 3000. She writes for the fucking Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. She's unbelievable. Please give it up for Joe Firestone. Joe Firestone! I really didn't know I would be first. What a treat. <laughs> well, it's so nice to be here. Um, this is, uh, you guys love death or what's going on? <laughs> this is like the most crowded I've ever seen Union Hall. <laughs> um, okay, it's so weird when you ask questions and then, um, okay, so, uh, okay, so I was doing a lot of thinking. Have you guys thought about your death plan? Okay, so you haven't, and that's okay. I just came up with a plan tonight. <clears throat> yeah, today. Technically, this afternoon. I came up with a plan. Feel good about it. Okay, so you guys ready to hear about it? So, I want to be cremated, and then I want in my will for um, uh, my dust to be pus- put in an urn and then um, placed on the mantle of my last lover. So whoever I've slept with before I die has to be reminded of me forever. And I, I think I'm going to fuck Drake. <laughs> and I think that might be my plan right now. That's my plan. Um, a lot of people uh, prefer getting dumped off of boats. That's really popular right now. You heard about that? <laughs> they just plop you on a boat. They plop you into the ocean. A real Finding Nemo story. Uh d- does anyone, does anyone uh, need a plan? Does anyone need a plan? Who does? Who said yeah? You do? Give me a little bit about your lifestyle. Tell me a little bit about your lifestyle and I'll tell you how to die. I, I like to um, listen and think. What? I like to listen and think. You, those are your two things? <laughs> two hobbies. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Okay, go on. I like to wa- <laughs> I like to walk. <laughs> I don't know. Um. And breathe. Is yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Simplicity. Yeah. Okay. I I love your coat. Thank you. It's hot, but I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's hot outside. But uh, there's a fashion coat. Um, okay, so, okay. I love fashion coats. Of so course, of thing. course, of course. Uh, anyone who loves to listen um, <laughs> loves <laughs> loves the fashion coats. Okay. Okay. So you, your simplicity, and a little bit of style. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to go ahead and say, put your ass in a pine box. It dissolves. Your brain goes into the earth. Put an apple tree nearby. Apples have you. That's what I think you should do. Don't go with steel. It's going to be too much. Okay, that was good. Thank you. You feel good about that? I feel great. Okay, follow it. You're going to follow it. Thank you so much. Does anyone else want to go? (laughs) 
I will just kindly suggest to uh, keep in mind this is my whole bit. <laughs> uh, would anyone else like to go? Anyone else? Yes. What's your lifestyle? Oh, how Dickensian. <laughs> um, okay, a penniless graduate. Uh, do you mind? Can, anyone, can everyone hear? No, I don't care about that. Okay, so, so you're, you're, what, do you, what are you studying? English. <laughs> what are we doing here? You know, what are we doing? I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> you're, are you going to be a professor? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Okay, and you're how many years into it? Almost finished. Do you have a cat? Okay. <laughs> you know what? Uh, I don't. I know I'm not the first one to say this about what cats do after you die. Yeah. You know. Um, so if you don't know cats, uh, I mean they're hungry, and uh, dogs. Dogs will uh, eat. They will start eating your fingers. After like three weeks, they'll start eating your fingers and then eventually get to your heart. And, I mean, they'll eventually get to it, but they, they like you so much that they pay respect and just eat your little fingers. Um, but I will just say that cats go right for the face. <laughs> Who knows why? We all know why. Uh, so, um, I, I would go as, I mean, if you're cool with it, I just let the cat go at it, you know? <laughs> Why the hell not? You know, give it something to do. She's taking everything else, is what she just said, uh, which is, I don't even know where to unpack that. That sounds horrifying. <laughs> She's taking everything else. What's wrong with the cat? Um, <laughs> has there anyone done an internet spoof where it's like, let's, we, we need to talk about Kevin, but it's a cat? <laughs> No? Okay, so that's up for grabs. All right, um, another, another person with a different lifestyle. I've been very, uh, very helpful. Yeah. You're a workaholic that smokes too much? What are you smoking? Cigarettes. How cool. Uh, okay. What do you do for work? Journalist. What, I mean, what a time to be a journalist. <laughs> you must have so much to write about with Trump, okay? Has anyone said that to you? That's a horrible thing to say to somebody. Um, a lot of people say that about to comedians. They're like, you must have the time of your life living in fear. Uh, um, okay, okay, so you're a workaholic, you journal. <laughs> That's not what it's called. Um, <laughs> what if a journalist did just journal? Um, uh, <laughs> so, and you smoke too much, and that's your only vice? What else you got? The regulars, what's, what do you mean? What's, you drink. That's not a vice. <laughs> Complaining's not a vice, that's a human part. That's, that's like saying I bleed. Um, okay. Okay. Do you, uh, are you, do you work for like a fancy? Okay. <laughs> what kind of stories do you write? Um, about how, gay guys fucked up. how what is? Gay what is that? 
Oh, right. <laughs> I call it data. I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't like, like, Facebook knowing everything? Okay. I'm going to go ahead and say you get dumped in the ocean. <laughs> I think that might be a good call. There is no data there at all. You are clear. <laughs> Sharks don't care what your passwords are, you know what I mean? Um, how do we do it? Do we... I do, how much time... Well, that's interesting. Okay, so, um, okay, I'll do one more, and this has got to be someone with, I mean, a real lifestyle. <laughs> Anybody have a lifestyle they want to share that doesn't have a plan for death, post-death, fetal juice years? What, anyone? Anybody? Doesn't have to be the big finale. This is just the first act of the show. Yes. Sure, I love that. You raise money for cancer research. What kind of cancer? That's the funniest one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've heard that all the time. Um, okay, so you raise money for lung cancer. What else do you do? You're an artist, what kind? Visual, photography. photography. You take pictures of anything? Uh, people. People. Are you humans of New York kind of thing, or <laughs> you ask? <laughs> I ask? Okay, you ask. Okay. And, and abstract. photography, like... Can you? I wouldn't want you to. Right, I, I don't know. I don't know how to... I, abstract art, I always think... I mean, the good kind, of course. Who... I wouldn't be uh so um okay you're an artist you do cancer and you are you um what do you you'd like are you dating are you no you're you're in a long distance relationship but close now <laughs> where where how far you're in you're you're not <laughs> okay you're in Canada and you're here at the same time at your where in Canada are you Toronto, that's the, the New York of Canada, right? Yeah. Okay. So that's your vice? Is city living? <laughs> okay, okay, so you, okay, you're, you're doing good, and you pursue your arts, and you live in Canada. What's, in Toronto, that's just kind of like, we're talking cold. No, no it's, it's like New York, okay, and it's disgusting like New York? Not as bad, not but close, but nice. People are nice there. Okay. It's like, oh. Okay. Okay. So, if I were you, and I'm not. I think I would just, I think that you need some kind of epic end. I think that you should put your bones in the wind. <laughs> kind of. You kind of just, you let the bones, the bones have to be clean. 
so that's up to wolves. And then I think what you do is you kind of just let the bones be taken into the, and that's where your partner comes in, because you're going to have to do that. You know, you're going to really have to make sure the wolves get there and then toss it into the wind. And that's going to have to be a very windy day, because we do not want those coming back. And now that's, a, I mean, people are going to say, it's too creative, but, you know, is it? <laughs> I think it's abstract in a way, you know? I hope this has been helpful. Uh, if you didn't raise your hand, I hope you've at least been brainstorming. Um, again, thank you so much, and keep it going for your hosts, everybody. Give it up again for Joe Firestone. Queen of comedy. She's our queen. Oh, God, I love her. I'm glad you guys all learned something. Let's get back to it. All right. What is the next thing you can do with your body? Oh, embalming. the main one. Yeah. A lot of people do this. This is like the main American thing, although it is getting less popular. Yeah. So what? So okay. millennials. So what? Yeah. So why do people embalm themselves? Uh, yeah. Well, or have other people embalm them when they're dead? Okay. Putrefaction is a drag. Yeah. Uh, we talked about it. Um, when we look into an open casket, the family wants to be reassured that Blythe is actually dead and is actually Blythe. So that's, you know, you need to take a look at her mm -hmm. in the casket. Um, and also people throughout history have been very, very afraid of burying, being buried alive. Like they always like put rings and bells on people's hands and there were whole mortuary yeah. halls. There it's was great. a while where people like didn't know if people were dead so they put them in big warehouses and they put little bells on them and yeah. the bells would ring all the time but because they were bloating. Oh! <laughs> yes. Bloat. Okay, everyone who knows me should be texting me that bloat emoji all the time. Okay. Um, and sometimes oh. they needed to transport bodies long distance. So like in the American Civil War, there were all these bodies that were far away from home and they wanted to bring them home without having to smell them the whole way. Yes, yes. So the reason that embalming and open caskets are, were at least according to Mary Roach, I guess, um, uh, in America is because the Civil War, they wanted to stop, like the, the pe poor people who were transporting all those putrefaction coffins yeah. were like, enough already. So um, so the way they do it in America is they embalm you arterially. They, they do it through your blood Wait, system. I want to say about Abraham Lincoln. Okay, yeah, go, go. Okay, um, uh, and so it was like, it existed before, but um, Abraham Lincoln got embalmed, and, um, and he went on like a, a countrywide tour um, to, for everyone to see. And so it was like a countrywide advertisement for embalming. And they were just like, this looks great. Yeah, like, I'll do it. Yeah. Uh, and, but it was invented a little bit before in the late 1600s by some Dutch dudes. Cool. Um, all right. So we all kind of feel like we know what embalming is, but like, what is it? Mm. Um, so what they do, yeah, they replace the blood in your circulatory system with embalming fluid. So what is embalming fluid? Yum, uh, yum, this yum. is what Google says it looks like. And it's like a mix of like uh, methanol, ethanol, phenol, and formaldehyde. We all know these things. Yeah. And they color it with like red coloring. 
so that for obvious reasons. Yeah, so that yeah. you, you look pink. Formaldehyde is, like, not good shit. You, like, don't want the shit around you. It does cause cancer. Um, the National Cancer Institute has said that people who, like, funeral embalmers are, like, at a raised risk for blood cancers. Um, which I just mentioned because when you embalm yourself and get buried, all of this leaches into the groundwater. Whatever. <laughs> oh, I put this in because of cancer. Uh, oh, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Uh, so how do you get the sweet juice in your bod? Uh, um, so they would cut my uh, carotid artery, which is in your carotid. Carotid. Is what oh, they said. Fuck. Get <laughs> off the stage. You're fired. I shouldn't have studied English. That's uh, true. So they cut your artery and they pump uh, this in through your blood system. And they kind of like angle you in such a way that the blood goes down the drain. And you might say, that's gross. I don't want dead people's blood in my drain. But there's a lot of fucked up shit. In drains, in my opinion. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, how do you think they got that way? It's all the formaldehyde. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So they do this, and it makes the dead person look so much younger from all this, like, preservatives that sometimes funeral homes actually paint wrinkles on people to make them, like, recognizable as your, like, uh, dead relative who died. Um, yeah, and I just want to point out that the respectful way to um, refer to a dead body in the funerary arts is decedent. Yeah. So be, you know, like, think about it. Be <laughs> respectful. You fucking ironic piece. Next slide. Wait, wait. I just want to say, if it oh. makes you look so much younger, I want to drink it. <laughs> Can you drink it? You can't drink it. Wait, wait, wait. Um, I want to pause on this one because this is not something you made. You found this, I found this on, on the, the internet. internet. This is this is community art. Yeah. All right. So other than that main thing of pumping embalming fluid through your system, they mm. do some other, they have some tricks. Uh, one of them is, this thing is called a trocar. It's pretty gruesome. All this embalming stuff is gruesome. Yeah. So they'll, like, for me, when I die, if I got embalmed, they would, like, stab it in me and, like, suck out organ juice, like, you know, waste, fluid, et cetera, from your, like, lungs, intestines, blah, blah, blah. And like then the Egyptians. Well, they would take your organs out and put them in pots. Mm, that's so true. Um, but yeah, they pump fluid in and then, so your eyes don't like, you know, in every single fucking movie, like Madeline oh, yeah, would be yeah. dead and then they're like, <laughs> and now she's at peace. Yeah. yeah your eyes. Doesn't happen. Yeah. Like they just pop back up. And so, your mouth hangs open. Yeah. So they put in these little eye caps and they like are, you know, when you like drive over a thing and your tires make it go down, but if you tried to drive back in, your tires would pop. It's that idea, but for your eyelids. <laughs> yeah. Hold on that. Yeah. Uh, also useful because your eyes are like leaching liquid. Right. And so your mouth pops open and they put this little. So they have a couple ways to deal with this. This is a mouth former to like make your face look like it has a mouth in it. And it's got those little <laughs> those things in it as well. But also most of the time they're going to use a needle injector to sew your mouth shut. Because if they don't, you look like uh, the scream by Edvard Monk. Uh, I want a little plug for Order of the Good Death. They suggest just rolling up a towel and putting it under your chin because that's natural and respectful. <laughs> uh, oh, and they super glue you <laughs> if they need to. Yeah, they can, they'll do anything. And this all takes like three to four hours. And um, then they would put you, me, they put me in a sealed casket and then they put that casket in like a marble vault or a metal vault buried 
like, you know, five feet, six feet deep in the ground. And the reason that you have to be in a vault isn't for any, like, legal reason. It's because otherwise your decomposing makes the ground, like, dip, and they want to be able to, like, mow the lawn more easily. Hmm. And that is a true thing about America. <laughs> yeah, but all of this preparation to make you look enlivened um, in your, in Blythe, when Blythe is dead and she's lying in a casket, um, uh, that it doesn't prevent decay. As soon as you get wet, it, like, undoes all of the embalming yeah. activity, and so... Um, unless you're mummified and you stick around for a while, uh, yeah. you're going to go right back to putrefaction, right. our favorite step. When they embalm you, they do it so you look good for your funeral and like not so that you look good forever. As, Blythe called, it, as Blythe called it earlier, your corpse party. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you, Blythe. <laughs> yeah. uh, Okay, then this uh, oh, is... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, this, this, gif is, <laughs> this gif is coming for me. Um, uh, and so there's just another moment for us to breathe and just so we want to explain. I find this whole process very unsettling. I am Jewish. Jews don't do this. It just is not a, a acceptable to me. But yeah. that's all right. It's all right for everyone Well, else. I'm Catholic, and I believe that when Jesus came down and said, you should pump embalming fluid through your system, <laughs> yeah. you have to believe it. Well, well, well. Okay, we'll talk about this later, later. but like, <laughs> yeah. you know. You just like rise up for okay, whatever. Yeah, okay. I was gonna put a picture of the rapture here. Whatever, we're, okay. going, we're moving past it. All right. So the next uh, one of the two main things that people do with their bodies in America. Oh, it's the next one. It's cremation. This is this is the real deal, babies. Yeah. So the embalming has become less popular. Cremation has been going up. Although you can do both. Uh, <laughs> Why not? Nothing's stopping you. Uh, next slide. All right. So how exactly are you cremated? Yeah. So that you go into this, this machine. Mm -hmm. What then? What happens? Oh, it's twenty-four thousand pounds. It's very expensive. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, it gets upwards of eighteen hundred degrees. What else? And oh, it's very, very energy intensive. Yeah, it burns a lot, a lot of natural gas. Costs a lot of money. Burns a lot of gas. The most um, efficient it can be is just keeping it on all the time. Yeah. Which is But very... who has that kind of body <laughs> lying around? No. Well, I mean, they just they keep it fired up. Uh, so it, it's bad for the environment, as you might have guessed. It emits carbon monoxide and soot and sulfur dioxide. And uh, also, it's uh, it, one of the biggest problems, which I never would have guessed in a million years, is mercury from dental fillings. They're in your mouth. It's like, if they're so bad, why are they in your mouth? That's right. Uh, and actually, when, when they first introduced cremations, it was like very unsettling to everyone, as you can imagine. But um, they thought the, the original argument for it was that it was going to be more, uh, more environmentally friendly because they thought bodies in the ground were um, leaching things, uh, which they don't unless they have embalming fluid in them. Yeah. So it's very energy intensive, like we just said. Uh, oh, this was an interesting stat. Uh, every time you burn a body, each cremation burns uh, like as much energy as a 500-mile car trip, which is past Cleveland. Um, if you want to make it to the beautiful city of Cleveland, Cleveland. and then just beyond. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I would rather be burned to ashes than go to Cleveland, but that's just me. Uh, I've been stuck there. Yeah. Oh, so... Like, you might think, well, okay, we have all this heat. Can we do something with it? Mm. Can we? Maybe. <laughs> uh, so in England, a crematory used the heat to uh, heat a community swimming pool, which saved, 
like 14,500 pounds a year, which I think is equivalent to 500 million US dollars. That's right. That's right. And I think this is the actual pool. pool. That's That's the the pool. pool. Um, The other thing is that anytime you like encourage this type of, like anything having to do with death, you just like immediately people are angry about it. So there's not really a way to recapture that without getting a lot of people angry at you. Yeah. Um, so, okay, let's say that I've been cremated. Let's talk about my ashes. Also, uh, yeah, um, they call these cremains, um, which is a hard no for me. (laughs) Yeah, I hate it. Uh, (laughs) do not use that portmanteau around me. Um, in fact, I'm going to say a hard no to all portmanteaus. (laughs) Same! That's a, I don't want them. Thank you. Thank you, um, for, for taking care of me. Yeah. Thanks. So they take your ashes and they, or whatever is left from you, uh, me being burned in a refactor, and they uh, remove any metal from dental implants, knee implants, whatever. And uh, they would put my ashes in a cremulator, which is like a bone blender. Uh, I've got one in my house. And they, they <laughs> blend you for about 20 seconds so that you're just like the consistency that people like to they look they, at and touch. They like it. Uh, <laughs> they like to look at it and touch it. Yeah. <laughs> And a lot of people uh, will say, oh, it's illegal to scatter it. But that's in most states, it's not really illegal. Yes. They. Um, OK, so I'm sorry to say, but a lot of the bad guys in this presentation are going to be um, funeral homeowners and morticians. Um, yeah, but the which real are, bad guys are like capitalists. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right, right. Capitalism is the real bad guy. Um, <laughs> of course, they're just, you know, they're the actors of that. Um, yeah. But in order to sell you bigger and better coffins sometimes they will tell you lies so yeah or they'll be like oh you have to have this urn you have to have this spot in like a columbaria like where the they they put your urn in it in the funeral home yeah you don't really have to because the epa doesn't actually regulate uh human uh ashes because that would mean they would have to classify them as solid waste and the epa now doesn't do anything except to make sure that white men can drill into anything that they want to drill into (laughs) And also, I assume they spend a lot of time drinking from these very tiny water bottles. <laughs> but that's just With me. With the thick shell of plastic, <laughs> yeah. uh, not the thin one. Yeah. Uh, oh. oh, yeah, yeah. This is a moment of peace. <laughs> the cremulator was um, a tough moment for me. <laughs> All right. So, oh. Um, so oh, I God, not even one breath. Yeah. <laughs> So you might be like, okay, well, I'll take my ashes and I'll <laughs> put them uh, into a tree thing and it'll help the tree grow, which isn't like... Very nice yeah, that feeling. Would, it's not going to do anything for the tree, though. Not no, not a thing. Because um, you're like super burnt to like the max degree and all of the or like molecules in your body are like inorganic carbon now and like trees can't deal with that shit. Yeah. <laughs> So it's going to be ashes near a tree. Yeah. <laughs> Which is still, I'd rather be near a tree than near, I don't know, a lawnmower. Hey, you'll probably be near both. Because <laughs> yeah. lawnmowers and trees hang out. Yeah. All right. Uh, oh, yeah. Quick so little pedantic note. Isn't carbon just organic? No, it's not. Carbon is inorganic stuff, but it's not technically organic itself. So whatever. Next slide. <laughs> All right. We have another comedian for you. Uh he has a fucking Emmy. Uh, oh. Yeah. He uh, writes for Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. 
He's the nicest man in comedy and maybe the nicest man in the whole world. It's true. Please give it up for Josh, Josh Gondelman. Thank you. Some people immediately leaving. That's fine. That's all we notice as comedians. The rest of the audience could have formed a massage train behind me and I would have only noticed the two people that just left. I'd have been like, oh man, this massage train is relieving the tension of those people fucking leaving as I got up on stage. Hello. Um, so I'm here. Um, I'm, I'm Josh. Uh, I'm going to tell you guys a story. Um, when, when I was asked to do this show, I was told it was about death and I was asked if I had any material about death and dead bodies. And I was like, I'm a comedian. <laughs> Definitely I do. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what we're fascinated by. So here's, this is a story. And it's from the fr next sentence I say, you're going to be like, this is, uh, it's, it doesn't take the deeply tragic turn that you might expect. Okay, ready? So I got married two months ago. <laughs> that part's okay. <laughs> I'm still to this day getting... Uh, ads on the internet on Facebook and Instagram for um, wedding stuff because that's how the algorithm works. It doesn't catch up right away, right? And it's all wedding stuff for dudes because technically I am one. And th there's a website that keeps coming up and it's wedding rings for bros. That's the only way I can think to put it. And like until I'd seen this website, it didn't even occur to me that bros got married. I just thought they grew up and became uncles. That's like really what I thought. <laughs> Until like two months ago. I didn't think they put rings on fingers. I thought they just asked you to pull theirs. I honestly thought that that's what happened. Uh, and they haven't figured out, it's like a very aggressive advertising campaign. They haven't figured out how to advertise to men yet because there's only one ad like tone for guys, right? It's just like, Axe body spray, get your thing wet. And that's it. And guys are just like, sure, I'll buy one of those. It's kind of the only reason I buy anything, if we're being honest. So there's this, it's this website. There's a website just wedding rings for bros, and it's called manlybands.com. And I'm 100% sure they wanted to call it cock rings, then Googled it, and were like, whoops, that's a thing already. Never mind. Sorry. Seat's taken, I guess. I know it's not for me psychologically, because I do fit the profile, right? I'm a man. I had a wedding coming up. I'm in my 30s. Like, exact, like that's who they're targeting. But psychologically, worlds apart. And I know that because they have um, their slogan is, manly bands get a cool wedding ring that reflects your inner CEO. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, I feel the same churning revulsion that you do. <laughs> But in addition to that, this is me all the time. Uh, there's never been a CEO inside my body. And I'm the kind of guy who knows what that sounds like and then says it anyway. That's all you need to know about me. At best, I need some kind of jewelry that showcases my inner director of human resources. I know that about myself. They have names. They have nicknames, all of them, to reflect what kind of douche is supposed to buy each different ring and they're all made of non-traditional materials there's one that's black with a blue stripe through the middle that's kind of iridescent it's called the dj and when light that's real and when light hits the blue strip it glows in the darkness and i guess the idea is when you're in the dark and your ring glows and a woman sees your glowing dj wedding ring she knows that you are definitely down to cheat on your wife like no question <laughs> it's just gonna happen my favorite one though is called the lone wolf you guys immediately, Park Slope, you guys get it? This is, some crowds need to be told of the irony 
of celebrating the day when you legally and symbolically bind your life to another person's until you fucking die with a ring called the Lone Wolf. If you buy a wedding ring called the Lone Wolf off the internet, they should send it to you with the divorce papers. Seriously. If you get married with a ring called the Lone Wolf, your vows should legally have to end. Psych! As you ride off on a motorcycle. And the bride just weeps softly, just like, why? Why would he do that? I thought we were going to be together forever. I thought he said I do. And you're like, I do. Nah, sucker. I said, oh! Lone wolf. Wheelie. One wheel, one me. <laughs> and people ask how I knew that my, my wife was the person I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. Was there a moment? And there was. And it was a bittersweet day. It was the day of my grandmother's funeral. And yeah, for real. I mean, that wasn't like a narrowing down process. <laughs> I wasn't like, well, Nana's gone. I guess I better lock it down with the broad I'm seeing. <laughs> But it was, we went back to Massachusetts. We took the Amtrak back to Massachusetts for, to visit my family. And it was like a very Boston funeral. My grandmother, I swear, this sounds embellished, but my grandmother was cremated uh, and then buried in a Tom Brady jersey. <laughs> That's a real fan, okay? Sometimes I see people walking around on a Sunday wearing their team's jersey alive and shit. No, show some dedication. Burn it down like Nana did. And the jersey was a gift I'd got her when she, when she got sick, and we hung it on the wall of her hospital room. And when I heard that she was cremated in it, I started to cry because I'd spent like $100 on that shirt. <laughs> the tags were still on it. I was like, Mom and Dad, we're just going to start incinerating possessions. I guess we all grieve differently. So... <laughs> I think exactly 50% of the audience laughed a lot at that. <laughs> And the other 50% was like, no, you don't. <laughs> so we, went, we had the funeral. We um, spent time, we spent all day with my relatives, close relatives, distant relatives, friends of family. It was really like lovely to see the show of support, but it was kind of a lot. It's like this Jewish tradition called Shiva, where after the funeral, you spend like the next few days, especially in the afternoon, with like, all everyone your family has ever met. And I guess the idea behind it is once you're done with that process, death doesn't seem so bad. And <laughs> so after that night, the night of the funeral, after we um we stayed with friends. I wanted to say I almost said celebrated, which was like the very wrong word. <laughs> but after we commiserated with family and friends, we went into the city of Boston from the suburbs to uh see some old friends and just kind of like lighten the psychic burden a little bit. So we get in my mom's car, which we borrowed, and turned on the radio. That's all we had to listen to. And terrestrial radio in Boston is abysmal. They goes up to like 1997, skips forward to the Dropkick Murphys song from the Departed soundtrack, and that's it forever. They don't have Rihanna. It's a wasteland. It's terrible. So we turn on the radio, and the first song we hear is the song Caress Me Down by the band Sublime, which is a very bad song. <laughs> It's a story told in two languages, if you don't know it. First of all, Sublime, in general, the vibe of that band, if you're not familiar, it's kind of like a blacklight Che Guevara poster that you listen to, if that does it. <laughs> Caress Me Down is specifically a bad song. It's a story told in two languages, and the story is a guy fucks a girl, and then he fucks her in Spanish, and the Spanish time she gets pregnant. And I don't know if that's racist, but it feels racist to me. <laughs> 
So whereas the song comes on and my girlfriend at the time starts singing it super loud right in my face. When I see Maxi makes me feel horny. Which first of all, if you're writing a love song and use the word horny, delete draft, start fresh. <laughs> horny is not a song lyric. It's something you put in a text message with an eggplant emoji. We all know that. We're grown-ups. <laughs> She keeps singing, like, like as a joke. This isn't like she, where I find out she's a juggalo. She keeps going. She's like, kiss me neck and tickle me fancy. Like, tickle me fancy? What are you, a horny pirate? You need to stop singing or I can't love you anymore. So we get to the bar. We have a couple drinks, no more than the legal limit. We get back in the car to head home. You guys booed when I just said exactly what happened. And it wasn't wrong. We, um... We get back in the car to head home. We turn on the radio, and the first song we hear is Caress Me Down by Sublime again. And at that point, I'm like, did we anger a wizard? Who cursed us that this, we would hear this song twice in one night in this decade? And at this point, it's the Spanish part of the song, and my uh, girlfriend didn't speak any Spanish, which I don't know if that's racist, but it feels a little racist to me. So instead of singing, she's just doing this dance where she's shaking her fists in my face like I just denied her a mortgage. And... <laughs> It's making me laugh very hard. It was like a very funny, wonderful moment. So we get back to my parents' house where we're staying, and we go up the stairs to my childhood bedroom where we're sleeping in two twin beds pushed together, like a couple from a 50s sitcom who almost figured sex out. <laughs> and we're spooning. And I know this isn't spooning. I know this is just a prom picture standing up. Just... And there's not even a lady here, so it's like, lone wolf. But... <laughs> I um, we're spooning and I'm drifting off to sleep and it's been such a long day and she's like, Josh, kiss my neck. <laughs> and I say, of course, I'll kiss your neck. Whatever you want in the whole world. You've been such a wonderful partner to me today and all the days of our relationship and any support and, and that I can give you to reciprocate that, it is my joy and my duty to perform for you. So I lean in to kiss the back of her, some of you guys are moving too fast. I <laughs> lean in to just give her the tiniest, gentlest peck on the, the back of just the tiny, like a physical whisper of a gesture. And as I'm about to touch lips to neck, she leans over her shoulder, makes eye contact with one eye like a shark would, <laughs> and yells in my face, and tickle me fancy, guys. <laughs> she caressed me, downed me in my childhood bedroom on the day of my grandmother's funeral. I don't know what they call that where you're from, but in Stoneham, Massachusetts, where I grew up, they call that a motherfucking keeper, okay? <laughs> I wanted to propose right then and there. I wanted to, but I didn't. I went up the next day and I bought the Spanish Rosetta Stone because I'd be goddamned if I married a woman who didn't know all the words to our wedding song. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Back to your hosts. God, what a treat. Josh Gondelman! Oh... He is the top, so. He really is. Yeah. Ugh. All right, what's next? Oh, no. I don't know. What's okay. What next? is next? So, okay, so we cremate, get cremated, get embalmed. That's pretty much what you can do. But if you're ambitious, maybe you can do other stuff. Yeah. Oh, actually, this one people normally do. This one isn't that weird. Oh, hey. You, you yeah. can donate your body to science. Other major option. Um. So... Yeah, this is new. This is new for Americans and, and the world because until very recently, anatomists were the, very, were the ghouls and goblins of the medical world. Um, and uh, because, because 
there was an idea that when you died, your like literal physical body was the thing walking right into heaven. So if you or hell, whatever happens in eternity, I'm Jewish. I don't know. We don't have that. Um, so that that you would just like waltz right in. And so if you were mangled, if you were dismembered, whatever, that's how you would how you would go. So doing that to a person was like a fate worth worse than death so you could only dissect murderers and then they started grave robbing and or not grave robbing yeah. like oh it was horrible so anyway yeah. um <laughs> so anyway it's pretty new that you can be like yeah. oh, i want to do this so be we're not going to talk about organ donation a lot because it's just just There's donate so your much. organs oh i do want to say one fact i'm sorry but okay. your your heart has its own um Blythe's heart has its own electrical impulse and even if you take it out of the chest remove it from all the nerves and everything it will still beat like in your hand um uh, not Blysand. <laughs> She'll be dead in this scenario, but um, <laughs> uh, so much so that it'll like pop right out of your hand and fall on the ground, and then they have to like scuttle and grab it and then wash it off, but it's fine. And then you just put yeah. it right back in somebody's heart, and it'll start going again because hearts are incredible. Next slide. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so if you're like, I'm gonna donate my body to science, there's a lot of different things that they might do. Some things that they'll definitely do. Uh, almost definitely. They're going to like intubate you because they need practice. It's hard. Yeah. And so trigger warning, if you don't want to see a diagram of an intubation, close your eyes. Mm. This is what it looks like. That's not so bad. Not so bad. All right. So they super embalm you because they don't need you to look good for like a couple days for your funeral. They need you to like be around for long enough for people to like do experiments on you. Gross uh, anatomy lab lasts a whole year. Yeah. So yeah, you got to last that long. So I... Uh, so yeah so like it's so much like formaldehyde is in you that if you're like being used for anatomy lab they cut off your legs halfway through the year and burn them because otherwise it's your like a legs. health risk my legs yeah. halfway through the year and burn them because otherwise it's yeah it's not good for the students um and so most cadavers are used in anatomy labs though not so there it, it's reducing because it used to be so important for the the anatomists to um, figure out what was going on, but now that we kind of know what's going on, like we may not need yeah, to we have actually. Yeah, VR. Have, who cares? Yeah, just VR your way through Blythe's body. <laughs> <laughs> Next slide. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. So that's my that's legs on fire. I found that on the internet. Uh, cool. So you might say, as every single person I've told I'm doing this show to, you, oh, I want to be an anatomy lab skeleton. Well, you can't be. You so can't fuck be. Off. Uh, they're plastic, and they used to be made out of humans. But the problem was that. A lot of them, and I don't want to talk about this that much because it's really sad, but a lot of them were taken uh, from just, like, kids. Um, <laughs> like, you know, right like... Right out of kids. Like, you know, people who they would just be like, all right, well, here we go. So you can get your bones taken out of you if that is your desire. Uh, at the University of New Mexico, they will, like, have insects uh, chew your flesh and muscles. Which is another option of way to go. So yeah. think about that. They'll Very. put you in a drawer and they'll look at you sometimes. Yeah, like eco-friendly. Uh, so other stuff that can happen is you could give Harvard your brain. They have a brain lab. Uh, I Are gave Harvard my brain for four years, and I'm still dealing with the internalized <laughs> misogyny. <laughs> so I want to do it. <laughs> That's a good joke. That is. Blythe went to Harvard. <laughs> uh, but if you wanted to, that's what that looks like. Um, so, uh, yeah, so um, so many things happen when you say you donate your body to science. That's science of every single type, and lots of people will use you um, and practice on you, including like a plastic surgeon uh, could give you give Blythe a little nose job, little chin, like whatever, you know, just like a little something, because you do not want a plastic surgeon to be operating on a live person for the first time. Yeah. So they practice on your head. 
Yeah, the, you like your skin could go to like fix wrinkles and penises and stuff. And the thing is, you can't be like, I want to be used to test like if baseball bats are hurt femurs or something. Like you can say, I don't want to be tested for baseball bats hurting femurs, but you can't be like, you have to do this with me. Um, so that's just a fact about if you want to go to science. But you could. Oh, this is my favorite. You could be a crash test dummy. Um, so, and you might. Say, like, yeah, why can't you just use a real dummy? I thought that's what they do. They do. They definitely do to measure the impact on, like, okay, when you get hit by a car, how much weight, like, how much, you know, impact gets on them. They have all those sensors on them. Uh, But you don't know what happens to a human body when that amount of weight hits you. You know, a dummy is just a dummy made of plastic. Yeah. So they really do have to, like, put a body in there and hit it as hard as the car will hit it and see what happens. Yeah, see like how, what is the threshold for like your ribs being broken or the steering wheel going through your chest? Yeah, Um, yeah, oh man, you don't want that. It doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, unfortunately for you picturing me in this situation, I wouldn't be in a real car. They usually drop you or like hit you with something Um, because it's more measurable that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, so like this has contributed to a lot of stuff. This is incredible. The like, it, there was a lot of you know, a lot of negative like pushback against testing, testing the decedents uh, with you know, <laughs> respect, respect. Um, uh, but um, because they thought, oh, why don't you do it with animals? Why don't you do it with whatever? But it, it has so much helped the research that um, it like immediately dropped by fifty percent the deaths by automobiles. And then now you can drive a car sixty miles an hour into a wall and survive. Thanks to these guys, but they're they're real. So <laughs> yeah. God bless. Like, give it up for uh, our past relatives. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not just, like, car stuff. You can get tested for, like, uh, how much a stomach can hold. And, yeah. uh, it's like, like, four quarts. It's four quarts or something. And yeah, it's four Oh, quarts. you might say, I've eaten more than that. Well, you some people have, but <laughs> then they died. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you could, they test, like, if a window is going to cut off your finger, like, can you get shot by a non-lethal bullet? And you might say, like, I've tested all that myself <laughs> alive. Well, great, get involved. I don't care. <laughs> Oh yeah, this is a little mo- a little moment for you, a little moment of peace. Okay, are you good? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Oh, comedian. What? Yes. All right. Oh my God. Our this is our final comedian before we tell you a little more science and then interview someone. Comedians. Comedians. Uh, they you might have seen their stuff on thenewyorker.com. They are a very funny duo. Uh, she is an associate editor and writer for Reductress. He's been on fucking Broadway. Oh. Uh, give it up for Friends, Friends Who, Who Fuck! <laughs> give it up for fucking hey. Broadway. Oh, wow. Hey. <laughs> and uh, death. Wow. Yeah, give a big round yeah, of applause for death. Clap for death. I'm is anyone here is anyone tonight. here dead or no one? Okay. Uh so we're friends who folk. We're gonna sing a few uh songs for you. And uh this first one is not so much about dead bodies, um, but it is about dead traditions. Mm. And in this case that dead tradition is sea shanties 
Uh, do you want to give us a little insight into what a sea shanty is? Yeah, uh, a sea shanty <laughs> You're is... You're going to love um, this. Oh, it's, uh, it's a song that they would sing in the boats mm -hmm. uh, for the sea-going activities when they were kind of pulling the ropes. They'd pull the ropes. They would sing the sea uh, shanty. Going across the water, watching the sails flap mm -hmm. in the wind. They would watch and the sails flap. And they would flap. sing it to accompany And they would that sing it? Kind of, yeah, perfect. And so that's our science lesson. Yeah, history. We know <coughs> that we do prepare a PowerPoint. Yeah. yeah. On the high seas we set sail So buy me a drink And I'll tell you a tale Across the waves we sailors three We're off into the great unknown Our lovely wives are on the shore We had to leave them home Wave and leave them teary-eyed Will we return? We do not know But we don't mourn and we don't cry Our mistress is where'er we go Oh, the ocean is the last for me I'm off to fuck the sea Upon the deck their breath so firm and wide But it's the deep and dangerous sea I want to hold at night I love my wife, don't get me wrong, but there's something she lacks. When I put my dick in her, she is not made of water. Oh, dee 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 the ocean is the last for me. I am speaking literally, I need to fuck the sea. Red sky at morning, sailors take warning. Red sky at night, my pants are at my ankles and my dick is in the sea. Oh, dee-dee-dee-dee, the other men won't speak to me, but I must live authentically and have sex with the sea. Oh, dee-dee-dee-dee, just heard my wife is leaving me. Can't say I care, especially I'm off to fuck the sea. Ha! Thank you. Thanks so much. I have to say, I forgot some of the words, and it was still fine. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Had some fun up there. Keep us on our toes. Uh, wow, yeah. Mm, sex. <laughs> kind of a, a bit of a, of a death itself, as the French would say. <laughs> Le petit mur. A petit mur. <laughs> That's the motto for Le Pan de Cotidien. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, yes. This is very, this next, this next, this one. next one is very exciting. Yes. Uh, this <coughs> one is, in fact, about uh, death. Yes. Uh, and it, was we found it in a oh, cave. Oh, that's true. That's true. And I it was written in Gaelic. Mm, uh, Rachel actually translated it herself I from did. the original Gaelic. It so, took uh, many, yes, uh, many days and many hats. <laughs> from bank to bank and shore to shore, I heard the sirens call. She sat on a bluff, my fair maiden lass, on the banks of the great Gowanus. 
She let down her hair, her flaxen hair. She unfastened her petticoat. It was then that I saw that she meant to jump in off the banks of the great Gowanus. But before I could call, she had started to fall, and I knew that she was a goner. As her skin hit the waves, I took a deep breath as the trash water fell upon her. Her lungs filled with trash and her skin burned right off and her eyeballs bubbled and her tongue turned black and her hair disintegrated then it exploded it was gross and I almost threw up I muttered a prayer to send her to God then I went back inside the hole of foods did I mention I just got a part-time job at the Whole Foods in Gowanus? It's a pretty good job, but the hours are weird, and I have to work Sunday morn. But I'll never forget that lovely lass and how I watched her die on my ten-minute break at my part-time job by the banks of the great Gowana. Thank you so much. Thank you. This will be our last song. Hey, one more song. Yeah. Oh my God. She's mad. Sorry, what <laughs> happened? I didn't see. <laughs> um, we have one more song for you this evening. <laughs> Union Hall has been through enough, and then I'm throwing their microphones around. <laughs> uh, take that. <laughs> this uh, next song is brand new. It's never been performed before, so we'll see how my memory serves me. Uh, didn't serve me well on that song. I've sung many times, so. <laughs> um, and in this one is, uh, speaking of death, uh, something that comes up a lot mm. is like bad news yeah. and getting bad news. Mm -hmm. So this is a song that kind of deals with that. I met a boy who was perfect in every way. Kind and inviting Kind of exciting I met a boy He was the answer to all of my prayers He listens, he cares Three dates in and he sits me down And he says, I have something to say He looks in my eyes and he takes a deep breath And he says, I am an amateur DJ God, oh God, what did I do? Did I piss off a witch? Did I anger the gods of love? How will I tell my family? I met a boy 
boy who was perfect in almost every way. But he was a DJ. I met a boy who sometimes DJs at Jekyll and Hyde. in Times Square. I said I didn't know they have DJs. And he said they sometimes have DJs. And I looked in his eyes and I asked where he lived. And he said, I live in New Jersey. God, oh God, what did I do to deserve this? Did I piss off a witch? Did I screw up a former life? How do I get home from Jersey? I tried to be open-minded. I tried to rise above. But I can't date a guy whose number one dream is to be a DJ in Tampa. to DJ school online, an amateur DJ. It's honestly unforgivable, an amateur DJ. Also on our first date, he told me that I should lose three pounds. Thank you. We're friends with folks. We've been friends with folks. for friends who folk. Oh. Isn't it nice when they can sing? <laughs> it's always good when people have real talents, you know? I have a friend who's a comedian, but also a magician. Oh, my God. Oh. It's so amazing. I love tricks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, we, so we've so we talked about the main things that you can do mm. for real now, and there's a couple like little larks of things that maybe you could do if you were like, Some organized off enough. Brand. Yeah. off-brand. And we're going to go through them quickly because we want to talk to Beth. Yeah, we really do. So, all right, one thing you can do is to compost your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how does it work? <laughs> uh, you get a bunch of kids together. Well, um, uh, <laughs> uh, you do the regular stuff that composting does. If any urban farmers out here, you know, give it up. Uh, we got nitrogen, carbon. Got to put them both in there. Um, and then bacteria will or break down the tissue. Uh, and it will be very good because it gets so hot that it breaks down all the pathogens and um, you don't mummify. Yeah. So they, if you want this done to you, maybe you can donate your body to science. They do it at some colleges. Mm-hmm. Um, not very dignified. They, like, do it in a way that you wouldn't want to see happen to yourself or your loved ones. They, like, spread manure on you and aerate you. But it's very effective. Yeah, but it works. Uh, in a couple months, you can, you know, get into a tree. Which I don't want to, like, recite song of myself to you, but, like, fucking read it. Uh, <laughs> uh, Blythe's second job is she's a poetry genius. She's truly a poetry. That was her other option was to be a poetry genius. Okay, poetry. you can also do it Swedishly. <laughs> uh, so this woman, oh, do we remember her name? Uh, I, don't I don't remember know her, her name, name, but her company is called Promessa. Yeah, so she has a way of composting that's going to be incredibly incredible. Um, uh, this was in 2003 when this was reported, and I checked up on her. We're not sure how good she's doing. Company still exists. <laughs> yeah. We don't know if it happen but if they freeze you in liquid nitrogen um and then break you down with ultrasound 
which is pretty cool. Um, and then, like, so then that material is compostable. Um, but then they, like, give the people the compost to compost. So it's sort of, like, energy-intensive, a little yeah. um, hard. But uh, people in Sweden were super excited about it because Swedes love the environment. Yeah. So, like, if you want to do that, good luck. Uh, <laughs> mushroom suit. All right, I know you fuckers love the mushroom suit. I love it. <laughs> They You're all like, it. I want to be a skeleton or I want to be in the mushroom suit. I saw okay. the TED talk. This is the mushroom suit. It was created by an MIT student. Uh, it's called the Infinity Burial Suit. Uh, it's basically like a suit and then there's white thread and the white thread is mushrooms that eat you. But sorry, it's a prototype. Uh, so I don't know. Live a long time and hope it's done by the time you die. Yeah. Uh, sky Burial. Oh, it's so good. Okay, so um, this is what the... <laughs> The ancient uh, but still existing sect of Zoroastrian, the very first uh, monotheistic re religion, there are still about 100,000 of them, uh, what happens is that um, you, uh, when you die, when Blythe dies, um, they, they will uh, put you on a Tower of Silence, which is sort of like a well with a grate underneath it, and then um, vultures will come by and eat you. Right. So the problem is there used to be a ton of vultures in India. Then they started letting uh, cows in India take something that's kind of like Advil. And then when the vultures would eat them, their kidneys would fail. Also, Indian cities are growing really big, so the vultures don't want to come around. Anyway, these dead bodies are staying on these wells and it's no good. Yeah. No vultures. Doesn't work. Or if you're in Tibet. So in Tibet, it's very cold. They can't bury you in the ground. There's no wood. They can't cremate you. So uh, they do this thing called sky burial where one person cuts up the body, matches the bones with like yak butter and flour, and they like lay them out strategically so that vultures will eat you. It's very magical and poetic, but yeah. you Other can't than, really do it. Yeah, you have to like be from there. And also there's like tourists coming and like taking photos of it, which is less cool. Oh, and also if you want to be a Zoroaster, you can't. You're, both your parents have to be Zoroastrian and less. So no good for that either. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, does this mean? No, wait. What does that mean? Why is that there? Oh, oh sludge. Yeah. <laughs> this is another way you can do it, but it's not called sludge, Blythe. Ugh. It's called water reduction. Uh, sludge is a disrespectful way to refer to it. Blythe. <laughs> okay. Um, so no, it's like you Alex Mack yourself. <laughs> this is all very rude, very disrespectful. So yeah, you. so it's a, a process by which you put in lye and a lot of pressure and it. Um, they want to compare it to cremation. So all that's left is bones and um, a sterile coffee-colored liquid that is... Um, pH neutral. Yeah. Well, don't talk to me until I've had my morning sludge. <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh, it's actually a really good method, and it uh, <laughs> um, uh, it's less polluting than cremation, and it's a lot cheaper. It's good for places like remote places that don't can't like have a cremation oven firing all the time. Um, yeah. And so. Uh, yeah, this is really good, but it's like a whole brand new way to do things. So people are a little weird about it, and only animals do it now. So, uh, well, I mean, they don't run the machines. <laughs> they um, they get dissolved. Yeah, but also it's like not helping anything. Anyways, who cares? <laughs> Breathe. All right. <laughs> so, what do I want to do with my dead body? Yeah, you were given the choices. Now, what do you want? I just want to be like left in a field, <laughs> like 
yeah, I, okay, so why don't I want to donate my body to science? Take my organs, I don't care about them, but I just feel like I don't want to be embalmed, and I really don't want to be used for plastic surgery, because, like, I've spent my whole life trying to not be hot, and I just don't <laughs> want someone to fix that when I'm dead, and just, like, let me turn into a tree, that's all I want, but I don't trust my lazy family to figure out a way to do this. I feel mm. like they'll just embalm me. Oh, brother. Uh, but well, I'll be there, at least. Yeah, thank you. Will you naturally bury me? Of course. Um, I'll live forever, and so I'll be there. And for all of yours, your deaths <laughs> as well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, talk to your families about this. I was telling my dad about this show, and I thought he wanted to be embalmed, and he was like, I want to be cremated, and I was like, okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, now for our scientific authority. Uh, she. So, okay, yeah, we just talked about what do you want to do to your body. I have ideas. But if you're famous, sometimes people just do whatever they want to your body, uh, and they don't listen to you. And so our uh, author wrote a book, you can buy it after the show, called Rest in Pieces, and it's about what happened to famous people's bodies when they died. Uh, so we're going to talk to her. Please give it up for Bess Lovejoy. Oh, there she is. Thank you so much for coming. Here, you can have Thank you for having me. Oh, wait, can you sit down? Of course. Yeah. Thank you so much oh, for coming. Yes. Okay, so we did call you a scientist, but that's not exactly what yes, you are. Yes, that is not correct. I'm not an authority <laughs> of any kind, really. Uh, do you want to explain sort of what your expertise is? Um, well, my expertise, to the extent that I have any expertise, is just a writer on weird subjects. I'm a journalist, not one who journals, but you know, <laughs> one, who, one who writes. Um, yeah, and I worked on a trivia book for five years, and there were some stories in there about corpses, and as one does, I got more interested in stories about corpses. And it all kind of just went on from there. And now I write about a lot of weird history stuff. So, yeah. Cool. So there, this book is so fascinating. There, I'm bad at estimating, but I would say there's between like 30 and 500 different people in here. Uh, Accurate. And they were also, <laughs> yeah. Like, what, can you tell us about one of your favorites? Sure. Oh, gosh, that's hard. There's the ones that people always want to know about, which is basically Elvis and Eva Peron. Gosh, which is my favorite. Um, that's hard. Alexander the Great is maybe my favorite because I started with him and my book wasn't due for like a year, so I spent the longest <laughs> on him and then I ran out of time and was like, oh shit. Um, but I like him because he kind of illustrates how big a deal you can make about a corpse. Um, so basically they turned his corpse into this major, major shrine that was like a, just, it was like the must, must do stop if you were, oops. Is it haunted? Is something happening? Um, so basically, he what he just became his grave became a very politically important place, and like all the local digni dignitaries would come, and like there's some story about some emperor leaning over and trying to kiss his corpse and like knocking his nose off a little bit, like you could get that close to it. Um, but they, they, I think they even created like a new god, not out of his corpse, but out of him in particular. Um, and it was just like a really politically important place. And then it got lost, but over the years, there's been all these different archeologists who've tried to find it and actually the search for his corpse, although I don't go into that that much in the book. Um, but that kind of like kicked off archeology span as a discipline, actually, just like the search for his body, which is probably underwater now anyway. So <laughs> it's uh, gonna be pretty hard to find. But yeah, he's, he's sort of one of my favorites. Yeah. yeah. So that like, we have to like go find their body, I feel like is a recurring theme throughout oh, the yeah. book, where people are like, either we hate this person or this person doesn't matter until like yeah. 200 years later and then they're like, oh fuck, where is that person? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that happens a lot. Yeah, which is like, if people decide in 200 years that I'm famous, like just who cares, don't find me, but- They'll uh, find you. 
Of what? They'll find you. Oh, thank yeah. you. Um, but one of the ones I thought was so great was John Paul Jones, who yeah. I actually hadn't even heard of, which makes me feel like an idiot, but uh, American, like, naval hero. Uh, and can you just, like, tell us about his journey? Sure. And it's funny. Not that many people ask about him. Like, very rarely does, does he come up in interviews. Um, yeah. And, yeah, it's a... <laughs> It's one of the more complicated stories, and I did write this book like five years ago. But basically, um, he died in France, and he wasn't the, the, I think it was Governor Morris, the American minister to France at the time, for various reasons, just didn't like him that much, even though he was a big naval hero and sort of considered the father of the American Navy, but he just wasn't that politically popular at that point when he died. Um, and I forget the illness that he died of, but he was buried in, I think, a Protestant cemetery in France that closed just a couple years afterwards. And then it was like paved over. That's not me. Um, and it was it actually then became a slum in that area called Le Combat because of the like rooster fights that were happening <laughs> over the deconsecrated cemetery. Um, and then, yeah, about 200 years later, the Americans were like, wow, we actually consider this guy a hero. We should go try to find his body. But at that point, no one knew where it was buried. Like, our modern concept that each person gets an individual grave that is a permanent grave and is maintained forever, that is such a recent and such a specific idea that does not exist throughout history very much. So he was buried, um, I think, in, in a common grave in this place where I guess they just didn't have the records from the cemetery. But um, by then, the minister to France, I forget his name, but he, he basically took it on as a personal crusade. He ended up spending a bunch of his, his own money to try to find the specific burial spot and like interviewed locals. But it kind of backfired for a while because all the like going around and talking to people that he was doing got the locals really excited. And it was still kind of a poor area, but they were like, oh, the Americans want to come bury, like they want to come dig somebody up. Like maybe we should just charge them a bunch of money. So he had to like stop for about six or seven months and like let things die down until he could arrange for a decent price to um, basically excavate the land. And they found him like covered in tinfoil partially <laughs> because even though the Americans didn't care about him that much at the time, the French really loved him and they were like, maybe someone's going to want to dig this guy back up, so we should try to preserve him a little bit. And I do not understand exactly why they did this, but they covered his body, some of it with like aluminum foil, which I didn't even know they had aluminum <laughs> foil. Um, but I guess they did. And he was hard to identify, but they found like a, his embroidered cap with um, the J JP on it. And then they looked at his organs and discovered, oh yeah, this guy died of like the kidney disease that John Paul Jones died of. So they dug him up and brought him back and now he's got like a big marble tomb and it's a big deal. So, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, this is just a guess for you, but why, why do people find it so important to go find him? What did you think it was? Well, I think, I mean, I am, like, why did they find his particular corpse important to go, and, to go and look for? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think he just, by that time, America was old enough that anybody who was considered one of our founding fathers was deemed, like, very, very important. Um, and whenever you have, it's a bit hard to explain, but I feel like whenever you have a grave site, it kind of makes... The, the power and the symbol around something very concrete. People can come to a place, they can read inscriptions, they can think about the person. You bring school kids there. Yeah. It's just a way of making values um, really obvious to everybody. And that's part of why political graves, somebody like um, 
Alexander the Great, like I was talking about, it, it all sort of ties into that same thing about making a symbol really concrete. There's probably a more eloquent way of explaining it, but <laughs> <laughs> it's the same reason, if I'll just say one other thing, the opposite example is how like with Osama bin Laden, we dumped him you know, off a boat in the middle of the night so that no one could ever find him. If you really hate somebody, you will make sure that no one ever finds their corpse again. And if you really think that they're symbolically important, you will make it like put blinking neon lights over them, yeah. but in, in like marble. Well, speaking of that, like I didn't know, I'd love for you to talk about Lenin because I mm. didn't know that he didn't want to be like on view the way he was and also yeah. like he's been preserved for so long. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Lenin is a good cautionary tale because he wanted to be buried with his sister and I think his mom in St. Petersburg, but by the time he was dying, and I think it's a little unclear actually how he died. He had like a big stroke, but... Um, when it was clear he was sick, Stalin was like, yeah, you're not going in your family plot. We're going to turn you, like, literally into a symbol of, of communism. Um, and I think I say in the book, like, that's one of the unfortunate things about being dead is you lose control over your own body. So, like, other people can do what they want with it. So Stalin had this big plan. Um, and it wasn't really clear how they were going to embalm him, but they, they wanted to at least embalm him initially enough to put him on display for the peasants. And it was like the depths of winter, so it wasn't that hard to keep him well-preserved for a while. But then they were like, we want this guy to be perma-embalmed, like forever and ever. Um, and they didn't actually know how to do it. So they were talking to a bunch of different scientists. And finally, this one guy, who I think was off in like, the provinces, was like, this shouldn't really be that hard. Like, I have a bunch of preserved animals. Can't we just do the same thing? Um, and then the Soviet government formed something they called... I don't know what the what the Russian is, but in English it translates to the Immortalization Commission, where this <laughs> this team of like seven or eight scientists who work like nonstop and like under the threat of death, basically, because if you screwed up Lenin's body, like you would be in the gulag forever, and you know. Um, but yeah, they did. All, I don't remember all of the gory details, and I'm not sure people would want to hear them anyway, but there were a lot of baths in various fluids and a lot of incisions and cotton batting and some reconstruction that happened and it took it took them like months actually and I think they did one embalming kind of didn't work <laughs> and then they did another one forever and ever but they still have to like take him out every couple of months and give him like a beauty bath um to make him look good again so he's like a little taxidermied he's very taxidermied <laughs> okay. and there's a lot of not exactly conspiracy theories but there's a lot of theories that like there's not that much of him left but from what I've read like the dude is not a wax dummy like there's definitely some Lenin DNA in there <laughs> I don't know how much. God, that's wild. <laughs> <laughs> so on the exact opposite end of the spectrum, we'd love to ask you about the order of the good death. Yeah, we, uh, I'm a fan, definitely. Sam, and yeah. Just kind of, we just want to, like, have you explain sort of what it is and sure. why you were interested in joining yeah. and its motivation and, and points. Well, um, well, it was started by Caitlin Doty, who you guys talked about before, and I love that you put the tenants up there of <clears throat> death positivity. Um, and yeah, it's really Caitlin's sort of baby, feels like the wrong word to say. Um, and she is a mortician, so, and now she runs like a natural funeral home in, in LA. So she, she was really motivated by the idea that we live in a death-denying <clears throat> society and that we need to do better at talking about death and that, you know, morbid curiosity isn't necessarily morbid. Like a curiosity about what happens after death, even though it can be difficult for some people, is a very natural response. Um, and she, she um, 
I, I think she coined, some people, other people claim to coin it, but I think she coined this term death positivity. It's kind of hard for some people to understand, but she was inspired by the idea of sex positivity. Like, basically, sex is going to happen. Arguably, like, you could go your life without having sex. You can't go your life without dying, probably. But just as we have the idea of, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're besides you, for everybody else other than you. But just as... Um, there's an argument that we need to do better at bringing sex out into the, into the open so we can discuss it like healthfully and have healthful ideas and policies around it. The same is true of death. Like it's not going to go away. Stop denying it. Be open about it. Um, both for like short-term practical reasons, things like having conversations with your loved ones about what they want done and what you want done for everyone except for you. Um, <laughs> it makes it easier when the time comes. Like when I got sort of when Caitlin kind of found out of my book and like asked me to get involved, I started talking to my mom and grandma. My grandma, who was 85, refuses to say what she wants done. Like she, she's like, whatever you guys want. And that's not a, a good response yeah. because it creates a lot of stress for the family who are already grieving and they don't want to try to figure out like burial, cremation, what to do. It's really better to have a plan. Um, of some kind, as difficult as it is. But, you know, Caitlin believes, and I believe too, that there's also sort of long-term benefits to, towards realizing that we are finite beings. I'm gonna go real deep for a second. Like, we are finite beings and the Earth is also finite. So we kind of need to realize that, again, capitalism, like we don't live in this, <laughs> in this ever-growing, ever-expanding society. We have to understand that things are, preci are precious, things are sacred, and, they have limits and we need to care for them respectfully and, and with intention. Um, and if anyone's interested in that idea at all, there's a great theorist named Ernest Becker who's written a lot about how denying death leads to a lot of, um, a, more of the more aggressive impulses that people have, like war, et cetera, and how slowly, carefully being in touch with the idea of your own mortality can make you like a healthier human over the long term. Yeah. Well, I feel like that's kind of the point of our whole show. So maybe should we call it there? <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah, thank you so much yeah. for coming. Yeah. Please thank give a hand guys. for best love joy. Please buy her book, Rest in Pieces. It's great. And thank you all so much for coming. Have a great Tuesday. We love you. And uh, downstairs closes, but upstairs is a bar. So come hang out and ask us more about sludge. We know so many facts now. Okay, bless. Bye. Houston, 20 seconds to LOS Tedris. Godhead, nice to be in orbit. Scientists is held monthly at Union Hall in Brooklyn, New York. Live sound and recording by Dave Polk. Hosts were Blythe Robertson and Madeline Freed. Produced and edited by Shannon Manning for Good Orbit.